It's Friday, so it's time for another mailbag. Hear why Marcus Freeman will have a better year two than Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame and why everyone worried about Sam Hartman just needs to relax. All that much more coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Friday, April 14th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching along on YouTube and haven't subscribed yet, it would be really cool if you did that now. Uh, and you can also like the video below if you're feeling super nice. If you're listening to the podcast, you can help us out by rating the show five stars and hitting that subscribe button. My name is Tyler Wojcik and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And today we got another mailbag episode. So I'm going to be answering your questions on the show. And as a reminder, if you've got a question or questions that you want to be included on future mailbags, hit me up. Uh, these don't even have to be about football or basketball either. They could be about pretty much anything. Last week, uh, I got a question that asked me to power rank three of the more famous South Bend bars, and that might have been the best question last week. So please send them all this way. Um, you can drop your questions in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, or you can DM the show accounts on Twitter at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram at LockedOnIrishPod, um, and you can end up my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. All right, let's get to this week's questions. First one, uh, this one is from Scott, and it is a good one. Actually, it's a two-parter. So the first one is, will Marcus Freeman have a better record in year two than Brian Kelly had in his second year at Notre Dame? And the second question is, and will Notre Dame have a better record than LSU this year? Okay, so there's a lot to that. All right, let's start with the first part. Will Marcus Freeman have a better record in year two than Brian Kelly did? So let's go back to Brian Kelly's second year at Notre Dame. That was 2011, and that was just a really strange season. It started off really poorly um, in the South Florida game. Anyone, you know, you guys all remember that. That was a nightmare. I was actually at that game, sat through both of those weather delays, and then stuck it out to the very end, all to see Notre Dame lose to South Florida and skip Holtz in the season opener. And then in week two, they lost that heartbreaking game at Michigan in the big house at night. Huge game. College game day was there, I think. And Notre Dame was rocking those throwback jerseys. Tommy Reese was the starter. I mean, Notre Dame had that game in the bag, and then Gary Gray couldn't make a play on him late, uh, and you know Michigan won that game. So Notre Dame started off 0-2 that year, and that was that was awful. Uh, and then they went 8-2 the rest of the way before losing to Florida State in the bowl game. So they finished that season 8-5. Notre Dame's season win total this year is 8.5, according to FanDuel. So Vegas kind of thinks that it could be close. Now, I don't think that's the case. Let's go. Let's try to consider here what is Notre Dame's floor in this upcoming season. I think worst case scenario, Notre Dame loses all three of the big games. They lose to Ohio State. They lose to USC. They lose to Clemson. And then they probably lose one other ACC game that they shouldn't. It could be Duke. Uh, it could be NC State. I know that's sort of a trendy upset pick right now. And they could, they could even lose to Pitt. Um, that would make me physically sick, losing to Pat Narduzzi and Phil Dracovic. But... I don't know, Pitt just always seems to give Notre Dame fits, especially late in the year. So I think that's worst case. Notre Dame goes 8-4 and four this season, which would be the same record as Brian Kelly had in his uh, second year at Notre Dame. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Notre Dame will go at least 9-3 and three this year. They've got two really good quarterbacks, so it's not going to be a situation like last year where 
once Tyler Buckner went out, it felt like the season was about to go off the rails, and it didn't entirely. Drew Pine, uh, Drew Pine only lost two games as the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, but I don't know. I feel like Notre Dame's ceiling is a lot higher this year as well as the floor, and I think Notre Dame actually has the offensive firepower to beat one or more of those teams of those three of USC, uh, Clemson, and Ohio State. So even if Notre Dame were to you know win one of those games and take another bad loss, that's still nine and three. So that would be better than Brian Kelly's year too. Okay, so let's take a look at the LSU side of this. Fandle's projected season win total for them is eight and a half. So Fandle projects that Notre Dame and LSU will have about the same amount of wins this season. Looking at LSU, they did win the SEC West last year. They shocked everyone when they did that. I mean, everyone, everyone had Alabama not only winning the SEC West, but challenging Georgia to win the SEC Championship and potentially winning the National Championship, and that didn't happen. Uh, Even with Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr., Alabama wasn't able to do it. LSU knocked them off at home in a wild ending. Um, That was one of the best college football games of the season, a huge upset for LSU and Brian Kelly. And then looking ahead to this year, they return a lot of their production from last year on both sides of the ball. They bring back their quarterback and Jaden Daniels. They bring back their entire offensive line. And then defensively, they've got two of the best players in all of college football in Harold Perkins and Mason Smith. Personally, I think Harold Perkins is already the best defensive player in all of college football. That is how good he was, especially during the second half of last season. Um, Even if you don't want to watch LSU, you don't want to watch Brian Kelly, I get it. Watch Harold Perkins. He's that good at football. So they've got that going for him. Their schedule isn't as daunting as normal. They do play Florida State in the season opener, which should be a really exciting game in week one. That game is actually in Orlando. And if you watch that game last season, how crazy that was. LSU lost um, on that missed extra point after this insane comeback. So if this game can live up to that, that'd be awesome as just a college football fan to watch. And then LSU has to go to Bama on November 4th. And I cannot wait. For that game. Honestly, outside of um, Notre Dame's games, if I'm looking at the college football schedule this season, not considering Notre Dame, like I was saying, that is the game I'm most excited for. The storylines in there are just too good. First of all, Saban trying to get revenge on LSU for beating them the year prior. And then you've got Tommy Reese going against Brian Kelly. It's just going to be it's going to be so much fun to watch. And uh, I can't wait for that. LSU also plays Florida, Auburn and Arkansas at home, which is pretty good. Uh, And then they go on the road to play Mississippi State. So typically LSU has a really difficult schedule year in and year out. This is one of their easier schedules than normal. I still think that last year, even if they're going to be, they're going to be a little bit better than last season. I still don't think they still got some ground to make up for from the Ed Orgeron era and the dumpster fire that he left them. So I think LSU is going to go 10 and two this upcoming season and that's, as it stands right now, that's exactly the record that I think Notre Dame is going to have. So I don't want this to feel like a cop-out, but I'm taking a push um, in terms of will Notre Dame have a better record than LSU this year? I think they're going to have the same. I think they're both going to go 10-2. Uh, and two. But I do think that Marcus Freeman will have a better record in his year two than Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame. All right, let's move on to this next question. Another two-parter from at SKG underscore 47 and ND88. Um, the first one is when should fans begin to worry about Sam Hartman? The reports out of spring practice haven't been great, but it's still early. And then the second question is, are you rooting for Tyler Buckner to start every time he comes up on the show? You seem to talk more highly of him than Sam Hartman. All right, let's start with the first one. Yeah, you should start worrying right now. Uh, be afraid. Sam Hartman is a total bust and this season is ruined. Okay. I'm kidding. Obviously, uh, he's in his ninth practice at Notre Dame and he's only been able, I'm referring to Sam Hartman now. 
He's only been able to work with Gino Gadulli and Jared Parker for a month and a half. Gadulli was officially announced as the quarterback's coach on March 1st. And we all know what happened with that offensive coordinator search. It dragged on. And throughout that time, that's time that Sam Hartman can't be working with his offensive coordinator to learn the system that he's going to have to play and to get to know his offensive coordinator. Like, whether we like it or not, Reese leaving really hurt Hartman's development, at least in the early stages. And that's exactly what we're in right now with him. He has, he's had nine practices at Notre Dame. He's learning a completely new offense with a completely different set of receivers. And he just hasn't had a chance to get the reps necessary with those guys yet. So one thing I will say about Hartman as we're reading all these reports and we're hearing these, this stuff about what's going on at Notre Dame's practice, like Hartman's problems aren't like the ones from the past, like say Brandon Wimbush who couldn't throw a swing pass. Like Wimbush was throwing balls in the ground and then those reports are coming out and you're like, wait, what is he doing? Like we know he can run, but he literally can't pass at all. And then uh, going back to last year and even the year prior, Drew Pine and both Tyler Buckner were not very accurate in practice. Drew Pine especially, um, you know, whether the staff would ever say this now, but from everything that I heard before Drew Pine even came in was that the staff was really low on him. And then, frankly, we saw why once he became the starter. And even Tyler Buckner last year, he just wasn't very accurate in practice, but that was more of like a quarterback issue. He could not put the ball in a tight spiral and find these guys, whereas Hartman's issues seem to have more to do with timing. And in the one open practice where the media was in, it looked like the defense was blitzing a ton. So he was under duress a lot. And his Billy Shrouth's first practice, I believe, as the starting left guard. So the line really wasn't in great shape at that point. So it just, to me, it seems like Hartman needs time. He needs reps. And he's going to get a lot better once, once he gets those. And he's just going to get so much better in such a short period of time once he's got that under his belt. Um, as for Buckner, I mean, I like the guy. I like the guy since he came on campus, and I've always said that he's a lot better player than people thought. At least once things started to go south for him last year, I thought people gave up on him way too quickly. And I'm rooting for the best player to start, which is what you should be doing. Like, If you're Notre Dame, you want Buckner to be pushing Sam Hartman because every day that he does that, it kind of puts a fire under his ass, and now he's got to play. Hartman's got to play better. And I think if that's the case, competition will make both of these quarterbacks better. And just think about what happened last year. When Notre Dame lost Buckner and they had to go to their backup, things went really south in a hurry. So you should want Buckner. You should want a really a really capable backup quarterback, and I think that's exactly what Buckner is going to be for the team this year. And look, like based on everything that's out there, Tyler Buckner has been playing better in spring practice. Like, do you want me to just not say that? Because then I'd be either lying to you or just leading you astray, and I'm not going to do that. So um, I'm happy for Tyler Buckner. He's he's gone through a lot in his short career at Notre Dame, and I think that. Right now, he's kind of playing with house money. No one expects him to be the starter. He's in an underdog role, which frankly is not something um, that he's really been in since he came to Notre Dame. Because even when he was a true freshman and he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback, there was still so much pressure put on him early to be the guy. Like that's, that's what he was advertised as, as a recruit. And I think now it's just a totally different situation. He's more comfortable in the offense, certainly more comfortable than Sam Hartman right now. And he's playing a little bit better. I still think Sam Hartman is going to be the starter. I think Sam Hartman is a more talented all around quarterback, even if Buckner is a better athlete. And I think that in time, Hartman is going to take control of the job and Notre Dame is going to be, you know, better off for it. But right now that that's where things stand at the quarterback position. Okay, we've got a lot more questions to get to, but before we get to those, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. 
Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. you got to try these. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need a way to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. I promise you'll love these, and you can thank me later. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. This is your reminder to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And for the everyday listeners of the show, which we're now calling everydayers here at the Locked On Podcast Network, be sure to tune in to Monday's episode next week as we gear up for the Notre Dame Spring Game, which is set to take place on April 22nd, next Saturday. Okay, next up we got... A question from Rago. Is there a position group that you feel more high slash low on at this point in spring practice than before it began? Um, I don't, I'm not going to make any drastic judgments at this point in spring practice. Like I was just saying, we're only nine practices in. We haven't even seen the blue and gold game. And I even think that we shouldn't take away uh, too much from it. That's going to drastically impact the way we look at this team throughout the rest of the season. Unless the whole team just comes out and looks terrible. That would, that would make me concerned. But I will say I might have gotten a little bit ahead of myself with the wide receivers. Like I still think they're going to be significantly better than they were last season, but that that's an extremely low bar. Um, Jaden Thomas looks solid. I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, he definitely came on late last season. I think he's going to be the most consistent wide receiver this season as well. But the help they brought in, Caleb Smith, the transfer from Virginia Tech, he's absent. And we don't know when or if he'll be back which is a problem more for depth purposes. I mean, think Notre Dame has 10 receivers right now, and that's including Smith. If he were to go, then they're getting a little bit lower on numbers. Um, I feel good about Tobias Merriweather, but he's still a work in progress. He's had some tough drops in practice, at least when the media's been in attendance. And then you got Lorenzo Styles taking reps at cornerback. Like, I don't know what's going on there entirely. Uh, more on that in a bit. But the fact that he's taking reps at cornerback means, at least suggests to me, that he hasn't been... Um, improving as much in spring practice as a wide receiver than what we would have hoped for. Uh, he looked great as a freshman. Last season was obviously a huge disappointment, so we'll see what's going on there. Deion Colsey had a strong second half to last season. I know he's had some bad drops when the media has been in attendance at practice as well. And then you got Chris Tyree. He's dealing with the growing pains as he gets used to playing the wide receiver position. And while I'm very excited about this freshman crop of wide receivers and everything we've heard about them has been really promising – 
we know how difficult it is for a true freshman wide receiver to get on the field that much at Notre Dame. Like, I think that Rico Flores will be a contributor this year, but I don't think you can count on him to put up a ton of production this season because we just, frankly, we haven't seen it a lot in the past. So it would be unfair to expect that out of any of these guys. Um, So we'll just have to see what happens. I still think the receivers are going to be pretty good this season, and they could be really good. I just think it might take a little bit more time, and they haven't taken as big of a jump at this point as I thought they could before spring. But that could change. Again, this is... You know, I'm recording this on April 13th. We've got several months to go before the season really gets rolling here. I just think that the receivers, there's still a lot more room to grow at this point, and uh, we'll see what happens. And it'll be interesting to hear uh, what the coaches have to say about Caleb Smith's status with the team, um, as well as Lorenzo Styles' status at the wide receiver position. All right, speaking of Lorenzo Styles, Tommy L. wants to know, in light of Lorenzo Styles' potential move to cornerback, which players have been the most successful following a position change? And as I was thinking about this, uh, there's actually been a lot, and at least in the recent history at Notre Dame, and I'm sure that if you look back even further, but let's just look at it from the last 10-plus years or so. And the first one that comes to mind is Kavari Russell. His story, it was crazy at the time, and looking back on it, it's, it's even more absurd. So Kavari Russell was recruited as a running back out of high school to come to Notre Dame. He did not early enroll, and he came to Notre Dame fully expecting that he was going to play running back, and then he switched to cornerback once uh, Low Wood went down with a season-ending injury, I think, right away, right at the start of fall camp. And then all of a sudden, Kavari Russell was starting at corner throughout his freshman season and was actually a, a pretty damn good corner, which was it was just nuts to see. And he ended up being one of, one of the most talented cornerbacks at Notre Dame during my lifetime. He ended up getting drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. And uh, he went to the Bengals and then didn't even make the team. That's one of those guys where I'm just really surprised it never panned out for him in the NFL. I thought he was a really good athlete, had a really good work ethic. And, you know, NFL, it just that jump is it's a lot harder for some players than others. And it didn't work out for Kavari, but he was still a very, very talented college cornerback. And that so that's one. Theo Riddick, his back and forth, he went from running back to wide receiver and then running back again, and he was one of the best players on that 2012 team. He basically single-handedly knocked off USC that year, and then he stuck around for seven years in the NFL, so he was really good. Just an extremely versatile player because of his pass-catching ability and his elusiveness. Like He was so shifty as a running back, and he would find these holes that didn't exist. Like He'd be running through the line of scrimmage, and he would just move his and torque his body in a way that eluded defenders, and plus he was really fast. He was... He's arguably one of the most underrated football players at Notre Dame in my lifetime because he was really good, but I don't know if we appreciate him as much as we should because of what he did for that 2012 team and really what he did throughout his entire career at Notre Dame. C.J. Proceis is another guy who switched from wide receiver to running back, and he was incredible in 2015. That was really unexpected. If you you think back to what was going on at that time, Tarian Folson goes down, and then they're going with C.J. Proceis and true freshman Josh Adams the rest of the way. Procise had over 1,000 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns in his lone season at running back, and then he got drafted in the third round after just one season at the position. Uh, He actually could have come back for his fifth-year season in 2016. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall or maybe just realized he needed to capitalize on his draft stock at the time. He hung around for a little bit in the NFL. He got drafted by the Seahawks, Um, so he's another one. And then looking at this year's team, you've got Cam Hart. He moved from wide receiver to cornerback, and that's worked out really well for him so far, despite all the injuries that he suffered. And then Xavier Watts has the potential to be one of those guys who obviously moved from wide receiver to safety and then even kind of went back to wide receiver briefly last year when the scholarship numbers at receiver were just that low. And uh, with Watts, 
I know, I know I've said this a couple of times already on the podcast. It sounds like this dude is the real deal and has the potential to not just be the best safety on the team this year, but actually be one of the better players on Notre Dame's defense this season, which would be crucial to Notre Dame's success because we know how poorly they've recruited at safety. And depending on what uh, Xavier Watts is able to do this season, that could drastically alter the expectations for the Notre Dame defense for this season um, because right now we don't really know what to expect from the safety position. We have a really good idea of what the corners are going to be with Benjamin Morrison um, and Cam Hart, who hopefully will be healthy. But in the back end with Watts and Henderson, two guys who have played the position before but are kind of unproven, we haven't seen them really take that step and become really solid players for the Notre Dame defense. Next question here. Um, which freshman not currently on campus are you most excited to see in the fall? Personally, I'm really excited to see what running back Jeremiah Love brings to the table. Now, I Notre Dame, I realize Notre Dame kind of has an embarrassment of riches there at the running back position right now. And uh, I just think with Love... He's such a good athlete that I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he forces his way onto the field during his true freshman season. I don't think he's going to be like an every down back because Notre Dame already has Diggs and Esteban and potentially even Jadarian Price, depending on his injury recovery. So if Love is able to crack through that and he's getting significant carries, then I think that shows you how good he could be. And he could be a really special player at Notre Dame because the guys in front of him are just that good. I could also see a scenario where he needs a year to develop um, and figure out the position because I know in high school he was like slot, running back, really just versatile athlete coming out of St. Louis. Also, the uh, defensive linemen are really interesting to me, mostly because Notre Dame just really needs one of these guys to step up, not become a starter or become Benjamin Morrison 2.0 or anything like that. But they need uh, freshmen to be able to contribute at the back end of that eight-man rotation. So looking at Brandon Vernon, uh, Bubakor Traor, and Armel Mukum, I don't expect any of these guys to really break through and become you know, every down contributors next season. But it would be really huge if one of these guys was able to uh, crack that rotation, get in the mix. Um, another freshman who I don't think is going to play a ton, but I'm just excited to see him in a Notre Dame uniform is Micah Bell because he is insanely fast. He ran a 10.41 in the 100 meter last week. That's that's crazy speed. Maybe he can get in on special teams as a returner. I don't know. I'm just excited to see just how fast he is on the football field wearing the blue and gold. All right, we've got a few more questions left, and these next ones are really fun, so stick around. All right, let's get a couple more here. This one comes from Brendan Hurley. Would the 2005-2006 teams with Brady Quinn beat the 2012 squad? This is a really interesting question, and it would be such a fun game to watch just because of the contrast in styles. Like, you've got the 05-06 Notre Dame teams who put up a ton of points, but they couldn't stop anybody. And then the 2012 team was like the inverse of that. They really struggled on offense at the beginning of the year, but they had an unbelievable defense. I mean, that defensive line might have been the best in my lifetime. For Notre Dame, I mean, with Stephon Tewitt, Lewis Nix, Capron uh, Lewis Moore, and then you got Manti Teo in the middle of that defense. They were really solid. That 06 team... Uh, man, they were putting up a ton of points a game. And this the star power on that team, Brady Quinn at quarterback, uh, Jeff Samarja and Rima McKnight at wide receiver. Uh, John Carlson was a Mackey Award semifinalist. So plus you got Darius Walker out of the backfield. I didn't even mention him. The coaching matchup is hilarious. Uh, Charlie Weiss versus Brian Kelly. Just a battle of arrogance there. And if, if I'm going to look at this matchup, I think I would take the 05-06. Let's say the 06 team for the sake of argument. Let's pick one. We can't pick them both. So let's say the 06 team has gone up against the 2012 Notre Dame team. I'm inclined to pick the 06 team because they had the better quarterback and they were able to put up a little bit more points. But there was something about that 2012 team, man. They were just like a team of destiny until they got to South Beach. And Notre Dame is just cursed. 
in Miami. They should never play there again. Um, if they ever do, I'm certainly not going there because I, I was there for that 2012 national championship game. And it was, it was not pretty. Uh, I was actually not at that, uh, Notre Dame Miami game my senior year in 2017. Thank God I wasn't, but going back to this game, I just think the 06 team would be able to put up more points because that 2012 team, as good as the defense was, they didn't really play any great passing attacks that year. They did play USC, but Matt Barkley was hurt for that game. Um, they played Oklahoma and played really well on defense in that game. Landry Jones, Oklahoma, was a good quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame was able to completely shut down whatever running attack they tried, but Landry Jones actually threw for like over 50 times that game. So I just think more offensive firepower and then 06 team, they're gonna, that's going to lead them over the 2012 Notre Dame team. All right, last question here. This one comes from at Brown Tiger. If you could only go to one bar in South Bend for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, well, I hope to keep going back to Notre Dame throughout the rest of my life, so i got to be, be picky here. CJ's was certainly my favorite bar as a student, definitely the most fun, especially on Saturday nights when it was really rowdy. I guess that's not the case anymore. CJ's is dead on Saturday nights, which is which is sad to hear. But um, I don't know if I want to be going to CJ's when I'm like 60 because – Let's just be honest. That place was foul. If you ever been there, it was uh, CJ's like a downtown bar and uh, pretty good food. Great burgers, actually. So that would be one nice thing if I'm older and I want to get a bite to eat and I can only go to one place. I know I'd get, get some good food at CJ's. But, yeah, I don't really want to go in those bathrooms probably ever again, if I'm being honest, let alone when I'm middle-aged or old. So for this pick, I'm probably going to have to take O'Rourke's. They've got good food. It's got the best aesthetic. I love Irish bars, and it's nearby campus, so when I'm old, I don't have to go very far away if it's still around there. So we'll see, but I think, uh, I think I'm going to have to take O'Rourke's for this one, although sad to say I won't be at CJ's anymore if this is the case. But uh, that's going to do it for me today, and that's another week of Locked On Irish in the Books. Thanks again to everyone who sent in their questions this week, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Irish, on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Enjoy the weekend, everybody, and I will see you again on Monday.